What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance Anniversary Edition with your host Christopher and Dane. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much, Fink. Uh, Fink still, I don't know why he comes in here with a flask every time. It's just crazy, but uh, hey guys, how's it going out there? We have another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance on a special Friday night. Uh, special for two reasons, actually. Special because our guest tonight, Mr. Johnny Morrison, Johnny Mundo, Johnny whatever you want to call him, is going to be on tonight. Second hour at 8 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. But also special about it is it's our anniversary. It's, it's officially a year since we've been doing Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And I just want to say from the bottom of my black heart that I appreciate. First of all, I want to thank Jawan for coming in here and co-hosting and being an amazing member of uh, Geek, the Geek Thighs family. Um, Joel for coming on a couple times. Uh, Thomas Brewington, who's got a show tonight, uh, big show. Uh, thank you, great wrestler, great friend of the show, and another one of my good friends, uh, Philip Shadburn, another wrestling uh, guy, indie guy. We've had some great conversation. And all of you guys that listen, uh, hey, look, I'm going to be – I'm on my phone. I don't have my computer in front of me, so I'm going to be checking the boards as often as I can. But I want some conversation from you guys in this first hour and possibly the second hour if we decide to have questions uh, given out for John. Uh, but if, if I, I know Randy's listening. I know, I, I, I know Andrew's listening. I just called you guys out. Greg, any of you guys, if you want to, like, talk about this last year in wrestling with the show, any of the topics that we're talking about, Give us a call at 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join the conversation. If my dumbass doesn't notice, message me on Facebook, and I will definitely check if I'm somewhere else, okay? But I'm staring at this board, so it should not be a problem. But, hey, it takes two to tango. So I want to introduce my wonderful co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, it's been a fucking year, and we're going to be talking soon to – Johnny Morrison, John Morrison, John Hennington. Wow, I, he had so many last names. Well, when you're as awesome as he is, then you can have as many fucking last names as you want, and no one can say shit. So <laughs> I guess it comes with the territory. Um, man, it's been a crazy last year. I, it, it, it seems like yesterday that we were just like, we should get together and talk about wrestling. And you're like, we should do it on a podcast. And I was like, yeah. And man, with a, a big shout out to all the guests, like you said, um, that we've had on and all the co-hosts that we've had on. And I, I've, I'm just been glad to be a part of it and along for the ride. I think we've had some really great conversations. And, and most of all, I just have an outlet to talk about wrestling, which I, I love to do anyway. So um, big thanks to everyone that listens. And, and I love you guys. Keep listening. We all love you. 
definitely appreciate every single person that listens. And it uh, doesn't matter where you're at. Like I said, give us a call. You know, don't feel weird about it. Like I've talked to my friends that listen to the show, and they're like, I don't know about calling in. It's weird. Just call in. It's just we're having a conversation, man. Talking about wrestling, it's a good thing. Today is going to be a very chill episode. Um, up until John calls, and then me and Chris are both going to like you know have a panic attack. But we'll we'll recover real quickly from that. But until then, a couple things to talk about in wrestling. Um, you know, I, I, actually, I'll start off with this. This wasn't even a part of the conversation, Chris. I was thinking about this today. This goes back to Chris Jericho's claim that Winnipeg, you know, when it comes to generational of having, you know, some good wrestlers consistently, it's the best wrestling town. And I thought of another town that I think rivals it. So I'm going to give Winnipeg its lineup of, um, of uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. Technically, I don't know if he was born there, but he resided mainly in Winnipeg. Um, Chris Jericho, or Don Callison for the hell of it, because I have a fourth one for my other city, and, uh, of course, Kenny Omega. I'm going to put Pittsburgh. Uh, Bruno wasn't born in the U.S., but he resided. I think he moved here when he was six, so most of the time he spent in Pittsburgh. Um, Kurt Angle's from Pittsburgh. Shane Douglas is from Pittsburgh. And the man that I walk with, Elias, is also from Pittsburgh. So taking a glance at all that talent, what city do you think, based on those four, has a stronger showing of wrestlers? Uh, I mean, I mean, for me, Winnipeg. But I think you could also throw Minnesota into the mix with, uh, you know, like Ole Anderson, uh, Greg Gagne, Vern Gagne, Kurt Henning, Larry Henning, Molly Holly, Paul Ellering. But, but, but it's going to be a city gotta be a city well that, i mean they would i would assume the majority of them is from minneapolis that's a good point i know vernon yeah, actually vernon Genar and kurt i think i believe kurt henning was um from I minneapolis or doing. right out right out outside right outside of minneapolis uh robbinsdale which is outside of minneapolis if i'm not mistaken uh, but all those guys are guys are around the minneapolis area i just i guess shout out to minnesota wrestlers <laughs> But yeah, I you guys me, are you guys I, are one hell of a wrecking crew. Get it? <laughs> uh, for I mean, like Pitt, when you're talking about Pittsburgh, the, I mean the, the guys you name, they're all all phenomenal wrestlers. Um, that's that's hard to say, man. Uh, right now, got to kind of give the nod when you have two incredible athletes, uh, and if Kenny Omega can keep up like what he's been able to accomplish and do thus far. And you have Chris Jericho, who in my opinion is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, and being able to consistently reinvent yourself and stuff, it's really hard to put anyone I'm really hard pressed to put anyone on the same level as, as Chris Jericho. So that, that kind of edges out the, uh, the Pittsburgh clan. Even though, you know, like like you said, Bruno Bruno is phenomenal as well. But uh, Jericho is kind of the whole package and was able to do it over the entire span of his career recreating himself and, and putting in consistent work ethic in the ring and just having bangers of matches um, like him and Eddie in ECW, even his early stuff in Smoky Mountain when he was uh, tag team partners with Lance Storm. It's just, it would be hard. Yep. I'd be hard pressed to put any city above you know, Winnipeg. I, I don't think they're wrong when they make that claim that Winnipeg might be the greatest wrestling city. It gets weird when you're talking about a city like if you're talking about Manitoba versus like Texas, for instance, then I yeah. think, you know, <laughs> like a province versus a state. 
because like uh, you know American cities are way different than cities in Canada. Um, or Winnipeg Alberta. Pretty, yeah, like compared to like Minnesota. Yeah, I, I think in like in America, you more have to break it down to territories if you really want to make some like good comparisons. Like well, I mean, you I, have the thumbs. I thought it was. That's a good point. Texas is ridiculous, man. I mean, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and Stone Cold. All right, just start. Then you have all the Von Erics, and then you have the Funk Brothers. Um, plus a million, I'm forgetting. So Texas itself is probably, I think, you know, one of the heftiest states when it comes to talent coming from it. Um, it's definitely up there. Uh, Minnesota definitely is another one. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, probably Pittsburgh would probably be another one. New York. Um, I don't know about Chicago. Chicago's a great audience. They have CM Punk, but I can't think of a lot of wrestlers besides Punk that's from Chi-Town. Um, but, yeah. I was going to say, Philly, uh, also, I just want to mention, since we're kind of, like, not on the subject, but we were mentioning um, Pennsylvania. Philly's a great crowd, man, for wrestling, uh, for WWE, because it didn't matter if it was NXT TakeOver or the Rumble or the next Raw or SmackDown. They were into everything, it seemed. And uh, I really appreciated that because there's a lot of cities and dumbasses out there. Um, you know, the ones that say, this is awesome, when it's like, what, what I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool, but, like, that's – are you just, like, doing that for the hell of it? Or say what at the most inappropriate times. Um, yeah, I can't stand places like that. Or just don't do anything. But I was really happy with the Philly crowd. Just wanted to make mention of that. Um, all right, what, what should we talk about first? Do you want to talk about this New Japan stuff? Kind of go into that a little bit since we couldn't last week? Sure. I'll let you lead off. All right. So basically, um, essentially they had an event. I forgot what it was called. Um, but Kenny ended up losing the IC, or not the IC title, the U.S. title to Jay White, Switchblade Jay White, um, in a really good match. It was one of the only matches I actually checked out from that whole entire thing. Afterwards, Hangman Page came out. New Japan has this thing about, like, if you want to challenge, you've got to be immediately out there afterwards and challenging the opponent, even if they just win, just like uh, Jay White did. Well, Adam Page, Hangman Page, came out, and he was trying to ask for a, uh, you know, a title shot, and Kenny got pissed off about it, and Kenny, you know, convinced him, hey, let's, you can do this some other time, like, this is kind of like fresh on the wound, you need to go in the back. Well, Cody Rhodes, who he's been battling it with, um, was not too happy about that. He thought that Kenny was being a sore loser, and he thought that this was you know, separate from it. He lost the title. He should get over it. But, of course, Cody's definitely heelish as shit. Um, they got into each other's face. They got into the pushing contest. At one point, uh, I think it was Matt Jackson who had – was it Matt or Nick? Uh, it was Nick, actually. Nick Jackson who had a match with Matt previous, which they lost, I believe, um, and got hurt in it, or kayfabe hurt. Um, you know, Kenny pushed him just flat on his ass, and he fell on his hurt shoulder – and he was really pissed off about it. And him and, uh, you know, Matt wouldn't even look at Kenny and they won off. And then basically it came down to Adam Page was like kind of around ringside and it was Kenny and it was Cody and they were like going back and forth and Cody like made it look like everything's fine. Okay, man, just come on the back. As soon as he gets to the ropes, Cody starts attacking him. Um, he gets Adam Page to come back in the ring. He gets Adam Page to hold him and he was about to hit him with a chair when Kota Bushi comes out. Now, previous, and you guys should know this, uh, Kenny came and saved uh, Kota Bushi from getting annihilated by Cody. 
uh, after some heelish shit that he did. Uh, they were a big tag team called the Golden Lovers back in the day, and honestly, they're two of the greatest wrestlers in New Japan, so they're a damn good tag team. Definitely check out their stuff online if you get a chance to. So long story short, basically, uh, Kodobushi came out, made the save, and there was a lot of animosity. Um, and I know that also uh, that Tamatanga talked about it, and he's actually treating this like that's the Ring of Honor Bullet Club. Like, we're the original G's. I don't give a shit about either Cody or Kenny Omega acting like just beforehand when we had the G1 tournament, like he thinks that he should be the leader of the Bullet Club. So you have this kind of clusterfuck that's a really cool concept going into it, but it could have ramifications similar to, you know, the NWO splitting off, and then the Wolfpack happened. That was cool for like a little while, and then it all just went to hell very shortly after that. But we also have, uh, you know, Kenny and, and Kota Ibushi, a chance for them to, uh, you know, rekindle their tag team wrestling and, and get some, you know, potential matches with that. Uh, Cody and, and Kenny, I'm, I think, are going to be facing off somewhere. I don't remember. Maybe it's a Ring of Honor uh, pay-per-view event in the future. And um, Kenny also went on Twitter and said that this long, drawn-out thing, it was Kenny's admitted that most of the stuff that he posts on Twitter is in character. That's why it's sarcastic. That's why it's snarky. You know, he's just, he's building up his character. That's what he uses Twitter for. So he's talking about, you know, real stuff, the relationship with him and Kota Ibushi and said that one of the reasons, apparently, from what he said, that he didn't sign with WWE is because he wanted him and Kota Ibushi to sign around the same time so they could work together. Kind of, not a package deal, but the same principles that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens wish that they would enter the WWE around the same time, which they didn't, but they're able to, you know, work together no matter what, because they're best friends and good within the industry. So now I talked for about six hours. Chris, give me some insight of how you feel about all this, and where do you think they're going uh, storyline-wise? I mean, to me, it kind of... Kenny Omega kind of came out as a baby face in, in this scenario. I mean, the fans were chanting for him. He was in tears about the, you know, the Bullet Club breaking up. It kind of reminded me of, like, the breakup between, like, Terry and Dory Funk when they were a tag team. Um, it's a very similar angle as far as, like, what they're going to do with the Bullet Club. I think Skrull being there helps a lot. Um, I, I, and I, if, if anything, you also should keep – to me, you got to keep Matt, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. They they still need to be a part of Bullet Club because they're kind of like the uh, main staple uh, of that faction. And then you can have you know Kenny Omega rallying some troops uh, on his side to try to take him down. Uh, the weird thing about New Japan is pretty much you know almost all of the top wrestlers are in a faction of some sort with a name. Uh, they're they're really faction based in general, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't wrestle each other. Uh, New Japan doesn't like it's not like factions here in America where you have where you had like the NWO and then people in the NWO never really fought each other. They were just against you know WCW um, and the Four Horsemen for the most part. But in New Japan, it's you know all the factions are fighting anyways, and then you have the tournaments where they're going to end up wrestling each other anyways, whether you're in the Bullet Club or not in the Bullet Club. Um, so to me, it's more just uh, a move to make, kind of move Cody, uh, Kenny Omega into a face role and Cody Rhodes in, as more of a heel uh, to hopefully give them a push. I, I still think if Tanahashi is going to take time off, they need a top baby face, and maybe they're looking at this as a way to get Kenny to be that top baby face. Um, 
we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm interested and intrigued by it. I didn't get to see the match itself. I actually just saw the uh, kind of the aftermath and breakdown of it. I haven't had a chance to actually go back and watch the match. I'm sure it was good. I, I like Omega a lot, as everyone knows, and uh, Jay White is has been impressing me as of late. So I definitely want to go back and watch it. I just haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, it was it was a pretty damn good match. Uh, not gonna lie, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting concept what they're going into. I like that they're throwing in like the old school, you know, guys uh, are are kind of even separate, torn from what's going on with them. So I'm wondering exactly what's going to happen. If we're going to have a dramatic thing where Cody actually has gotten the young bucks to follow him and they take out Kenny and turn him full babyface against everyone along with him and Kota Bushi, or I don't know if they would break up the elite. Cause that's seems like a lot of merchandise is kind of wasted at that point. And like I said, and you, I'm sure you agree with me to an extent when you have a faction this big and you start trying to split it and, and change aspects, usually because you've added too many members to it, much like the NWO, you know, it's, it's kind of, it seems that like the novelty seems to wear off a little bit when you do that. Do you agree? Yeah, to some extent, I I definitely can agree with you on that one. Yeah, it, I I don't know. It's kind of a weird weird thing. I, I I honestly don't know exactly where they're going with it. You know. But that's a good thing. I think that you know us not knowing. Um, I did New Japan very, very subtly. Uh, it's usually displayed with their their uh, their American wrestlers, uh, but they do have storylines. Like you said, it's more faction driven, definitely more match driven. Um, but I think that they have some really cool stuff that we can kind of, uh, talk about. And I think it's going to establish itself. I'm just wondering too, I don't know if you heard, uh, Dave, Dave Metzler was recently on, um, Conan's show. I would say Conan and Disco Inferno, but I don't really respect Disco Inferno. So I'm just going to say Conan's show. Um, and they were just talking to him about Kenny Omega and, you know, when the, when do you think he's going to, uh, come over here or do you think that's, a possibility, not this year, but like the next year after his next contract. And Dave even said, he goes, he thinks he doesn't know, but one of the things is like, they still haven't put the belt on him. And, um, you know, if it gets to the point where it's like that and he gets a call up and he gets a chance for him, the bucks to go there, there could be a chance that after this time, it's not going to be extended again. But yet again, I think that me and you have talked about wanting Kane to stay, but at the same time, I mean, Kenny and, uh, a mania situation or stuff like that seems extremely intriguing. So uh, this is the first time I've heard Dave Metzler say that that seems like it could be likely based on, you know, if, if there's not a lot that happens in this next year with him, do you agree to, to that a little bit? You know, I actually do agree Why? because I, I, I feel like that he should have already gotten the title. Um, and it's kind of weird that they've, held it off of him. I know they wanted to do the U.S. title, and he was probably the best choice to put that on um, unless you wanted to go Cody Rhodes with it, but it, it's it's kind of weird. Um, I, I don't think he wants to leave without winning that title, is the only thing. Uh, so I don't know if... I mean, that's the, that's the big question. He could def, I could definitely see him sticking around just because he really, really, really wants to win that belt, but I... I if he if they don't, I mean he's he's getting like he's headlining you know shows and stuff. I think he just wants the recognition of winning the belt, and I don't know. 
if they're trying to build back, if they have some story stuff in mind, or if Kenny has story stuff in mind with the Bullet Club and they wanted to pull this off, it could be, you know, to get the belt off of Okada a little down the line once he gets out of the Sorry. So, I mean, you could have a situation where Kenny Omega wins, you know, this is way down the way, way or, you know, a good ways away, but you could have a situation where he wins G1 this year again. And then, you know, you have him go against whoever the, you know, the title holder is. Uh, now, originally when uh, NATO won, I thought they were going to put the belt on him and have Kenny versus NATO, which we talked about previously, which I think would have been a good transition. Like you, you keep the belt on, you know, NATO for a little while, and then you can drop it down to Omega without actually kind without actually hurting Okada. Uh, hurting that Okada Omega match, um, but they definitely don't want to go back to that well so soon. I mean, they did three of them in the past year, so I think the Bullet Club breakup gives you a chance to build Kenny Omega as a face, probably, and then in the next year, I think there's ways to get him the title. And when he does his contract renegotiations, which he should have already, I think he's probably already done that because his contract expired at the Rumble or the, right before the Rumble last year. And he only, I think he only, I don't know if he signed a one year or two year. I think it was a one year. So I'm sure that he's definitely had conversations of like, hey, like, are you guys going to put the belt on me? Um, but yeah, the, the fact that Dave Meltzer is even kind of questioning if Kenny's going to be there two years from now is, is kind of a big deal. Uh, but a lot of it also has to do with, you know, he's really good friends with a lot of the people in Bullet Club. And I think he actually enjoys wrestling in front of the New Japan, uh, New Japan audience. They've really kind of, started to get behind him, uh, you know, with the Terminator collapse and, and chanting Kenny Omega. And I, I think that he wants to stay there, but he also wants to be, you know, recognized as one of the top guys. And, and the only way to really do that is to get the title. It's just, unfortunately, like, you know, their top guy is also one of the best workers in the world. Like Okada is incredible. He's still over yeah. with the fans. And then right behind him, you have NATO. who is also one of their most popular wrestlers. They're three top, you know, most popular wrestlers are, you know, Kenny Omega, Tetsuo Nato, and Kazuchika Okada. So it's just a weird situation. And then I think getting him out, getting the Bullet Club off of him, I think is going to give them a better look at like, okay, now that the Bullet Club's gone, can he do this by himself? Can he stand out and be like a singles competitor and keep, still keep the crowd behind him? So I, I don't know if they're like testing the waters or what. But uh, I know that's kind of a long answer, but that, that's how, I, how I've how i been looking at it, at least. No, I, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'm i just wondering, because I, I feel like it's inevitable. Um, I mean, I know that there has been aspects of him wanting to. I think he was, you know, a couple of years ago, the prospect of him and AJ at Mania kind of almost made him go. But I'm glad he stayed, because, I mean, I loved uh, his match with Okada, but I think that him staying there for another year and establishing his character more really helped him out. And now his work with Chris Jericho has even defined it in a, a, a bigger way, uh, you know, a bigger way than it could be perceived beforehand. But I just find it weird that that, we, that Bob Sapp is one of their fucking, uh, you know, IWGP World Heavyweight Champions at some point, but they can't give the damn belt to Kenny or NATO for that matter because uh, both guys seem extremely worthy of that. And I love Okada. It can go back to him. Um, but I think that Kenny has showed, I mean, how many eyes are on the product because of Kenny Omega? I mean, you got to think about that. I know Okada's over to a lot of American audience members, but I think a lot of us channel to Omega because, 
you know, he's, he's like one of us. I don't know. I mean, I hate to have that type of mentality, but it is really like that. Uh, when you have a Gaijin wrestler like him that's proving himself and being dominant and, you know, all the guys in the past, either in all Japan, whether it be um, Stan Hansen or uh, Dynamite Kid, I mean, all of them were decorated to some extent. And Kenny's had, I mean, it seemed like they made the U.S. title just to give to him, to give him a title, to be like, here, you can have this new one, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you um, to some extent. But, I mean, the other thing is, like, look at how many five-star matches that Okada has been able to pull off in the past year. And the same thing with Kenny Omega. It's like, I don't know, if you're talking about the title situation specifically, I don't know if maybe they're trying to give Okada a record. I don't know what the, the longest reign yeah. with that title is. Um, I would have to look that up. I don't, I, I don't know if they're saving it for a bigger show. Uh, like, you know, like the G1 or, um, well, not the G1 because Okada will probably be at the tournament, I would assume. Um, or if they're, you know, if they want to save that match all the way to Wrestle Kingdom uh, and give it, you know, one more run and you can get a couple more Omega Okada matches. I I personally would have t- taken the belt off and put it on NATO. But once again, it's not like New Japan's booking is ever bad. It is frustrating no, that Kenny no, hasn't gotten the title and I'm, Gato knows what he's doing for sure. And, you know, and I'll give it right back to you because I know you wanted to finish that. But, like, if they gave it to Nato just now, I mean, unless they are, like you just said, kind of trying to give him, like, a long, the longest reign or whatever. If you gave it to Nato and then Nato had it for a couple months, you know, a good chunk, and then Kenny beat Nato for it wherever they decide to do it, um, and then later, you know, you have Wrestle Kingdom, you have Okada versus Omega, Oka- or Omega has the title, and Okada beats him, and then Omega leaves. I think that would be a perfect exiting strategy if that's what they want to do. But I'm sure that they know what they're doing. I'm sure they have some type of ways around it. Uh, but what were you going to say? I know I cut you off. Apologize about that. No, it's fine. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's it's not a bad thing to leave the belt on Okada. It's, no. Omega doesn't need it. It's just a personal achievement that I, I think – from everything I've read it and heard from him in interviews, it's something that he definitely wants to accomplish before he leaves. Cause he's pretty much done everything else there is to do in new Japan. Um, you know, he, fucking he's held, he, he's held most of the titles and he wanted, he wanted G1. He might win another G1 this year if they're building to wrestle kingdom. Um, so winning that title, I think is just like a feather in his cap that he kind of wants. Uh, but you know, Gato has never, I mean, Gato's booking has been incredible over the past two years. So I really don't, you know, I'm not going to question it, but you know, if it was me, I think NATO is like, was red hot going into that match, especially after winning the G1. And I think he could have still built back to Okada pretty easily uh, because he's just the guy that wins. I mean, the real question here is like, who's going to drop the title first? Is it going to be Okada or Brock Lesnar? Because right now it looks like to me, they're going to keep that thing on Brock Lesnar for fucking ever. <laughs> So you're saying that you want to have Brock Lesnar versus Okada for both belts? Did that ever happen when Brock was there? No, he would have been a, uh, a young, uh, whatever the hell, young talent, uh, if you will, back then. A young lion? I'm I'm not sure. Thank uh, you. I think during Brock's stint over, he may have been in America during that point, Okada, because he worked with TNA for a while yep. and uh, Ring of Honor and a couple of other places in America and then went back. Uh, to Japan and kind of established himself as the absolute badass that he is. 
<laughs> now. I, I mean, mean, he I, is a I badass. But he, I mean, you can say all you want about a Brock Lesnar, but when you think about it, uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, UFC World Heavyweight Champion. I don't think a lot of people have that claim. And one of them is actually a little more credible than the other two, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping Brock loses the belt sometime soon. Ugh, kind of sick of that whole entire thing. I get it, but I don't want the same thing for Ronda Rousey. They better not treat her the same way. That's a, that's a conversation for another time. I want to talk to you about this, this uh, Corey Graves, Booker T, fucking bullshit. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll give a rundown. Um, it's funny because, all right, so the week before Booker T got booted from WWE uh, for being one of the announcers, replaced and coachman, uh, Corey Graves was on the Edge and Christian show, and he really talked highly about Booker T at one point, citing that, you know, uh, that, that he's taught him a lot and that he loves doing his thing with him because they both jab each other and that Booker is very passionate but can be extremely goofy, but he's wonderful to work with. Nothing but praise constantly. Booker T gets released. Uh, he gets uh, demoted down to just doing the uh, pre-shows for events, um, and he's not going to be on, on Raw anymore. And honestly, from what I remember, he's supposed to be temporary at the time when he took over. But whatever. Um, I did love Booker, but I think John Co- Jonathan Coachman is a little more professional and, and it seems to play, pay attention a little bit more than Booker did. Um, and Booker just said a lot of wacky stuff, and I love Booker too. I mean, he's known for that. But then the guy that's soon to be mayor uh, starts saying that, you know, on his, on his radio show that Corey Graves – was the reason why he got fired, not directly, but indirectly, because WWE was worried that he was going to whoop his ass for starting shit with him. At first, when he went into it, it was like, yeah, man, we're, we're, we always like give each other stuff back. But then he started like this path about, if I see him in the street, I'm going to whoop his ass. And like I said, Booker is supposed to be running for mayor of Houston in a couple of months. He's supposed to start his campaign. So kind of weird for that concept. Um, Corey Graves put some really cryptic uh, Sinzu uh, saying about basically like keep your enemy. Oh, I don't remember exactly what the hell it is. Um, but this caused the New Day, which was hilarious on SmackDown. Every time I went to them when they were in the, uh, the lounge uh, talking on Twitter, they would make comments about Corey like, oh, what, what do you think is uh, stronger, Corey's left punch or his right punch? Oh, it doesn't really matter. And, and stuff like that, like, you know, joking around about the incident. And I have no idea if they got cleared with that, but it was hilarious. And then come to find out that Dave Metzler's thing said, not only is it a work, but Booker T might've been doing this to help spike Corey as a heel while exiting. And Booker T said that he was going to have a huge conversation about this on a show on Monday and that he'd love Corey to be on the show and Corey accepted. So Corey's going to be on the show, I think next Monday on uh, Booker T's show. Funny thing is also, is that Jonathan Coachman said a stupid comment towards Corey, and Corey responded with on Raw, hey, man, watch it out, or you're going to be on radio uh, something text, or you're going to be on local radio, which is Booker T's on a local radio station in Houston. So what the hell's with all this, Chris? Is this all a work? Is it just just Booker being ridiculous? I mean, who's who's at fault, do you think? Honestly, man, I the – it really seems like it is kind of a work. Like maybe Booker T was trying to give him a little bit of rub while he was exiting. Um, 
Booker T's kind of, I mean, I, I don't know that I've heard a lot of people say negative things about Booker T. I will say that Corey Graves was always very, very sarcastic on announcing to Booker T. So I don't know if there's any legitimate heat there or not, but from, from all the all looks of it, the fact that this thing squashed in like less than a week and they're not even going back and forth. And now he's going to be on a show. It kind of seemed like a way for either Corey Graves helping out Booker's radio show, um, which is cool. Or, you know, Booker T, like uh, Dave was say, saying, trying to get, you know, Corey to be kind of more of a heel announcer. Um, it, it, that stuff gets kind of weird. I mean, that's the thing with wrestling. A lot of it's like blurred lines, especially with a situation like this. I think you can look at like what Chris Jericho and, you know, Kenny Omega were able to accomplish with all the talk around uh, just their Twitter feud alone, which is, you know, very, very light. Uh, I think this is kind of similar to that. I could be completely wrong. Maybe Booker T really does hate the guy, but the fact that they squashed it so soon and now he's going to be on the, you know, the radio uh, just kind of points to them both giving each other kind of a rub. Um, And then the other thing that's weird about it is like, there's not going to be weird about this is there's no payoff match because Corey Graves can't wrestle. Like uh, he can't get cleared to wrestle because of concussion issues. So you're not going to have like a, a match or anything. This is more just like get, get people to tune into Booker T's show and then probably get people to tune into raw to see what Corey Graves is going to say after the show on Monday. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure where they were going with this. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's very strange, you know, you know, uh, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of times where I was like, I hope that they're kidding. And Corey made it sound like that on SG Christian, but then the next week, all this type of stuff started to plummet into shit so it, it was very hard to figure out and separate, you know, reality from not reality. Uh, but, you know, the, the one thing that used to always annoy me, and, and Booker actually said this and alluded to this on his, when he was threatening him, is that I'll whoop his ass. Booker T's a big dude. Don't get me wrong. But can everyone realize just because Corey's had concussions uh, that he's probably can still have, you know, it's, he can't have a fist fight. It's not like he doesn't know how to fight anymore or, or his toughness completely goes out the window. One thing that actually used to piss me off when Booker would throw it back to him, it would always be like, sorry, you've been in the ring for that long. And, you know, it just it just seemed a little bit like if he's getting hurt by that, you'd think that Corey would be getting hurt by his comments. But it really just came off like they were just playing into a storyline and that this seems like it's an extension of that. And I think that you're right that it's probably going to be publicity for his radio station squashed and then Corey kind of makes note and reference of it and it helps everyone out. But uh, I loved it because there was lots of different podcast groups um, and also news outlets for, for wrestling that was saying, there's no way it's a work, blah, 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 blah. Like mainly because of the payoff thing, like you just, you know, established, but uh, it looks like it. It honestly looks like it. So they got us. But, hey, guys, uh, we're going to continue with our conversations. And remember, like I said, if you want to join us, I'm calling you guys out there. You guys want to join us? Do us. Join our conversation. Talk about this past year. Call 929-477-3781. Press 1. You'll be on hold, and then I'll let you in this conversation of wonderfulness. All right. Let's go to our next conversation. All right, so uh, great news, Chris. Um, apparently... <laughs> This big man, uh, for the longest time, thought that after the Cruiserweight Classic proved that people wanted really good wrestling for Cruiserweights, that it should be character-driven. Um, and for a little while, it, wasn't helped, or was, it was helping, I mean, with, with people like King Neville. Uh, 
Um, when he left, we had Enzo. Enzo, I guess, kind of helped to an extent. And now it seems like things are on a change. If you've been watching 205 Live, they have Rockstar Spud. Um, I forgot what the hell his, his name is. Um, Draco Malfoy. I know that's not it. That's a Harry Potter character, but I forgot the fuck his name is. But Rockstar Spud has been talking to the wrestlers about It's not about character so much. And when it comes to the guys like Drew Gulak and Tony Neese, I think the character is important to them. Stop Ali. Personality is fine, but it should be more about the wrestling itself. So apparently... Um, and it's, we're going to kind of get into like a whole overall conversation from what Dave Metzler said also about this. Vince is backing off 205 Live and wants Triple H to produce it, be in charge of it, and produce it the way that he does NXT. So we're going to have that similar type of, that similar type of concept in there. Also, contradictory from what Vince said about the XFL, Dave Metzler has heard, apparently, that Vince is going to be, in the next couple of years, detracting duties and trying to get Triple H and Stephanie more in charge of the main product, um, which is, you know, on, on a, on a uh, press conference that he had, again, recently about the XFL, he said contrary, but from what Dave's hearing, you know, within the next couple of years, you'll see Triple H probably, I think he assumed, taking over SmackDown to some extent and having a lot of uh, help more so than he already has with Raw. Um, you know, more of the control for what's going on driven towards him. So that, to me, if true, especially the 205 Live, which is pretty much confirmed, that's all fucking great news. Um, How did you feel about this, Chris? And are you excited about some of this stuff uh, being implemented within the next couple of years? I'm I'm really excited just in general for Rockstar Spud, uh, Drake Maverick, I think is what they're calling him on 205, being the general manager. I like that he was having these conversations with some of the talent. Uh, and I really, really like the idea of Triple H kind of gearing this thing more to NXT. My only worry is that this – I don't know that – I don't know what that actually means for how it's going to be handled on Monday Night Raw – and if there's going to be any overlay, like, is he going to be taking those segments on Raw as well? So are we going to get, start getting good 205 matches on, on Raw? Because I think that's what's really going to pull, pull 205's uh, watch. I don't want to say ratings because it's not really ratings, but views on the network. I think that will help pull it up if you're displaying those type of matches, those tournament-style matches that they had on Raw. I think that's how you get people to actually you know, say, hey, I should probably check out 205 Live. But yeah, it's it's cool that they announced that 60 man tournament. I like everything they're doing. I like the fact that they're putting, uh, kind of giving Triple H the reins on this thing and and seeing what he can do. I really enjoy the NXT product. So if they can make 205 like that and kind of show off what these guys can do in the ring, because I mean the majority of the talent they have there uh, at 205 is way better than what they you know are able to display on Raw. Uh, I think it would be I think it'd be pretty awesome. I my only worry, like I said, is uh, how's it going to be handled when you have a 205 live match on Raw, and are they even going to be doing that, or are they going to back off that? That's a good point. Um, I would assume that if he's in charge of it, he's in charge of those. One thing I will say, and I mean this is about, and if this is Vince, this is Vince. If this is actually Triple H's influence, great. But one thing I've been noticing on Raw and SmackDown is that their matches, they seem to be giving the guys more time, not just the cruiserweights, but everyone in general. You know, we had that great match with Bailey and Oscar, 
We had the great match with Sasha and Asuka. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, uh, the U.S. Um, title match. A lot of those matches, they seem to be letting the guys really cut loose in the ring, um, and I really do appreciate it. And I do feel like that's probably the influence of Triple H because I think he knows a product. Like, even if, if we're the minority as far as fans, the, the, the really diehard wrestling fans, if, I think he realizes that if NXT – because he wants NXT to eventually be its own thing. You know, that's the reason why they had it on USA. It did really well ratings-wise to have uh, NXT that one week on USA – uh, the same week that they have Save the Troops, where they have, like, every day on USA and WWE events. Um, he seems to be building towards that, where he wants to be able to establish that show to be by itself, so it's not just a call-up show. Because I think that he kind of is... I, I don't know this for 100%. I don't know Triple H. I don't know Hunter. But from stuff that I've gathered and heard, like, he gets irritated that that's the primary source, is that it should be the... the uh, Progress Center should be where they train. NXT can still be its own entity. And honestly, when it comes down to all this, and I'll, I'll throw this idea at you, Chris, um, in the next in the next like year, I would love, especially if 205 Live still is doing good but steady and it's not really proving itself. We already have heard that at USA, uh, you know, unless it goes to Fox and then it's a whole different ball game, would like them to shave off an hour of Raw. We also know that NXT is something that they've looked at and liked the ratings that they got when they displayed it. So it can just start off maybe just replaying the same episodes. But eventually, take it on the road, keep on going to smaller areas until you build a big enough audience so it's not just at the Performance Center, and combined 205's roster with NXT's roster. And what I mean by that is have the Cruiserweight title as a secondary title to the NXT title on the show. You can still have the, uh, the UK title, because, I mean, if you think about it, Nitro had the Cruiserweight title, the TV title, and the Heavyweight title. Have a badass two-hour show. Devote the first hour to the Cruiserweight wrestlers, much like Nitro did. And have uh, the later part, where it's more about the NXT product itself. You have Roderick Strong that's in this uh, competition. Tyler Bate was already. Uh, Leo Rush is, is someone that's rumored to be a part of the, the Cruiserweight competition, who's an NXT sign. You know, you have a lot of great wrestlers that could bounce back and forth between them. And, dude, wouldn't it be amazing to see T.J. Perkins or Cedric Alexander go for the NXT title? I mean, it's much more wrestling-driven, so maybe they can really showcase that concept, show to Vince that this product does numbers to some extent, and maybe try to apply that more so SmackDown and Raw. And then, hopefully, especially with the XFL coming out, because I don't care what Vince says. He's too much of a perfectionist to rely on other people to do stuff. In two years, when the XFL starts up, Triple H should probably take over everything, but do you think that it's possible? Um, and would you like to see NXT maybe absorb the 205 roster and make one complete show on Wednesdays? Oh man, it's kind of a tough question. Um, I like a lot of the things that you said. It's just one of those things that I don't know if they want to lose that separate show on the network. Uh, it, the TV revenue would be probably be great, but it is one of the main reasons people buy the network is to watch NXT. I think you could extend NXT to two hours on the network um, and, and, and incorporate 205 Live uh, instead of doing a separate show. I think that's a good idea. I don't necessarily know that NXT... Because, I mean, two hours basically on TV is going to come down to about an hour and 30 minutes, right? So I, I don't know that you're going to get... 
out of it, you get into a weird situation where now you're ta- you're doing taped shows similar to TNA, um, but you're doing them in larger spots because it's on TV, so you want it to look like the attendance is really, really large. Um, it, it gets into a weird spot, uh, which is why, you know, like, a lot of places, like a lot of companies will tape in like Orlando, like at Universal Studios, because they can get an audience no matter what. They can give tickets away. Um, and maybe they can do that for NXT and fill the crowd every every time, every, you know, taping. And uh, the traveling thing is the only part of what you were saying that I think it, is where it kind of gets hard if they want to do like an NXT live show. I think if they do it taped like they're doing it now and do two hours of 205 Live and in NXT, I think it's probably a really good idea. It's just if Vince is ready to do that. Um, and if Triple H is ready to do that, because for all he knows, he may take over 205 Live and, and not take off, uh, you know, not be a big thing. So I would say the good start is, like, him taking over 205 Live, seeing how people react to it once they start building these characters and building these stories and actually having, you know, really good matches. And then go from there and kind of look at it and say, okay, well, let's smash these two things together and it'll give us more content for NXT and highlight 205 in a way that they can be utilized. Uh, I had kind of been saying that with Raw, you know, for a while, since they have three hours, it would make more sense for the 205 guys to be sprinkled in um, in big match situations. Don't just do it like they used to do with the Divas matches, where it's like, okay, well, this is the breather between two main events, which is, you know, a lot of times that happened with uh, the Divas back in the day, or even Cruiserweights back in the day when they uh, tried this the first time around, so... Uh, but yeah, like I, I like the idea. It's just you know ironing out those details more than anything else. And I don't necessarily know that I would want it to be like a traveling live show. I think taping it would probably be the way to go. Yeah, I think more so traveling taping. Um, probably say at the performance center more so. But even giving them a chance to be able to fill up larger arena if they want to, um, if they you know call for it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. There's definitely gonna be something that would need to be developed uh, within the next couple of years. I just hope that doesn't get to the point where 205, they don't think they can do anything with it, and they just end up releasing most of the guys and uh, just saying, screw it, you know? Yeah, I agree 100%. That would really, really suck because they have a lot of talent on that roster. I think Cedric Alexander is, is fucking phenomenal. Um, so I would, I would hate to see them lose someone like him. I agree, man, and yeah, he is phenomenal, and that's because his favorite wrestler of all time is AJ Styles. Yeah! Fucking AJ Styles, man. Greatest, besides, of course, John Morrison. John Morrison and then AJ Styles. All right, let's have one more topic, and then um, hopefully Mr. Johnny Mundo will be joining us. So we're going to talk about WrestleMania a little bit, Chris. Um, See a lot. You know what sucks? Okay, I'll just start off like this. I feel like there is a lot of potential for some of the matches that might be being developed. And I feel like a lot of those things are actually not going to end up happening whatsoever. Um, but the, you know, the fact that even with the cruiserweights, even if it's on the pre-show, that it's going to be the end of the cruiserweight classic, the second one for the cruiserweight title itself. That's pretty awesome. You know, that that's cool. I mean, there's a good possibility it could be Roderick Strong versus Cedric Alexander, and that would be a banger of a match. The Lombard Chet versus the uh, Backbreaker, you know, I, I don't know if, we'll go that, if Roderick will go that far, but, you know, he's definitely someone that's 
adds a lot of uh, gravitas, just like uh, a Leo Rush would or Tyler Bate or Johnny Gargano would to that whole entire thing. But even if you look past that, you know, with the women's match, Sasha winning the title at um, what you call Elimination Chamber and then going against Asuka, they already had an amazing match. Um, I don't think Bailey would be involved, but that doesn't mean they can't have another women's match uh, to, you know, maybe with Nia Jax involved to some extent. And then Charlotte, Ronda Rousey possibly, or Becky Lynch maybe. Um, maybe Ronda Rousey's going to be going, like they said, there's going to be Braun Strowman and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie. You know, you have Finn Balor, who seems like there is a good potential that he could be going against the Miz for the IC title, uh, which would be awesome because if he wins that and the club goes against possibly the Revival and then wins the titles from them, if they, if they figure out this whole flipping thing. There's, there's a little bit of a little while before WrestleMania, obviously. But it seems like what I'm trying to say is a lot setting up positively. Um, do you see... You know, maybe with maybe for instance with John Cena, do you, do you think that he might be going against Elias because they're kind of like hinting at that? Like uh, Undertaker, do you think that he's still facing someone? What are some WrestleMania matches that you think could be possibly happening um, this year based on what you've seen on Raw SmackDown so far? I, I think that you definitely could see John Cena versus Elias Sampson. Um, I think you might get you know Matt Hardy versus uh, Bray Wyatt some sort of weird match, hopefully not a repeat of the Randy Orton fiasco. Um, I think you're going to have Brock Lesnar, you know, versus Roman. I think Roman probably is going to pull it off at Elimination Chamber uh, and setting up that match. Uh, And then you probably, I I really don't know what they're going to do with Ronda Rousey, so I don't know what they're going to do with Asuka. Uh, Her pointing at that WrestleMania sign was just so weird. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to have a four-way with Asuka, Asuka, Bailey, Sasha, and Ronda Rousey and have Asuka retain but not actually beat Ronda Rousey and then build that out. Uh, but those are, I mean, those are the main ones. I guess you're going to have, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro will probably be going against the good, the good brothers. Carl, uh, you know, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, I think that's probably a likely matchup that they could pull off. Uh, I'm not sure what you do with, you know, Finn Balor. Um, There's a few stars there that I know are going to be on the card, but I don't know where they're going to place them. But those those are the matches I have kind of penciled in. Uh, But unlike last year's Mania, this one's a little harder to... uh, to kind of nail down with the way they've, they've booked stuff. I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they had things that they wanted to do, and then you have people like Samojo get hurt. Um, yep. It, it, Dean Ambrose. Things. Dean Ambrose getting hurt. I think they had, a, you know, plans of what they wanted to do. I really do think they wanted the Shield to walk out, you know, tag champs and heavyweight champ, or even tag champs, IC champ, and heavyweight champ, depending on how they wanted to do that. I think that might have been the original plan which would have been a good way to get, you know, the title on Roman, but have that support to fall back of on the shield because people still like the shield, even if they dislike Roman by itself, which is really weird. I mean, cause he's a big part of the shield, but uh, that it's that those are the matches I have penciled in. Um, and I think it's, like I said, because of the, the different injuries and things that have happened over the past few months. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I really think that Ronda really is going to be involved in some type of regard. They tried to get The Rock. Apparently that didn't work out because of his schedule. 
but against Stephanie and Triple H. I don't know if she's going to be going directly against Charlotte. I think they might give her someone else to work with. Um, I would love, and I, I told you this, for the club to all have titles at the end of it. Like, if the Finn-Miz rumor is true, Finn beats Miz, gets the IC title, and the brothers beat whoever to get the titles. And at the end of it, they take the place of what I think was the initial concept for uh, the Shield before Dean Ambrose got hurt. Roman's definitely going against Brock. Guys, I would love for Braun to win the Elimination Chamber and then go against it and then put Roman against – put him against John Cena again. I mean, they already had an amazing match. That's a, a freaking amazing WrestleMania match. Let them go at it again. Um, Undertaker, God, it's – so his wife uh, posted a video of him training, and we're all like – so I guess it's for wrestling, and that's fine. Um, I wish it could be like maybe Sting. It's not going to happen. Um, Kane's an idea of them having one last match between the two of them, and that's it for both of them. That'd be a, a way to go out. Um, but it just seems like it's kind of pointless at this. I don't know exactly. When it comes to Braun Strowman, or not Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, if Jeff is cleared, I know that he's part of the Miztourage, but I would love the Bray Wyatt would start up him rebuilding the Wyatt family and include Bo Dallas as one of them, you know, have a little bit of a thing back and forth with Miz, take his brother back and have Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas against Jeff and Matt Hardy. Uh, I think that would brother Nero and broken Matt Hardy or whatever. And kind of like, let that be, of course the Hardys go over, but let that be an established point of Bray building the Wyatt family. Cause he so desperately needs I think at least, the Wyatt family to help him out. And uh, then you could spend the next year of him developing this. I would also do, someone suggested this, I forgot who it was, but you're a brilliant genius. Started off very much like how you did the, uh, the thing with Randy, Randy Orton and uh, Bray Wyatt, um, the House of Horrors. But let it be at the compound. Let it be a war that is involved with Jeremy Borash and Matt Hardy playing it out, pre-recording it, and then it ends up at the arena for the ending. Um, between them. That would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think of the U.S. title. Bobby Roode. God, I wish a double heel turn would have happened with him and Rusev. It would have been so perfect, but it didn't. Um, so I would like the two of them to go at it. I mean, Rusev's already a U.S. champion. He's, he's really on fire right now. I'd love to see a little bit of heel Bobby Roode come out. Um, so there's a lot of potential for these matches, and I'm, I'm very excited about Mania. Um, I'm glad that the club is an, is, is an entity. I would love to see Bray Wyatt establish the Wyatt family to some extent. I mean, dude, you could, you could bring so many people down towards that concept, um, you know, involved in it. You don't have to bring the uh, the Bludgeon Brothers over to Raw. You, you can let them rebuild it. I, just don't do sanity. That's all I have to say. Don't do sanity. And what Miz – this is kind of outside of WrestleMania, but if he were to lose Bo Dallas, I think it would be really amazing if him and Curtis Axel uh, team up with the Revival and they kind of make a full horseman type of faction uh, the next year. And at one point, give Miz the title just for like a little while. I know that he'd have to probably go to SmackDown for that, but wouldn't it be cool if they did have like a full horseman concept where all the guys have the belts? Curtis Axel, I promise you, the IC belt is is very, very – uh, dear to him uh, due to his father, uh, Kurt Henning. So just some stuff to throw out. Um, Samoa Joe also might be utilized by then. I don't know. Dean Ambrose is probably not going to make it, but he can make an appearance. We don't know what the hell is happening with Seth Rollins. Uh, for all we know, he was supposed to go against Jason Jordan. 
Uh, Jason's now injured, and he's having surgery, so we don't even know if he's going to be able to make it for Mania. So there's a lot of big wrestlers where we just don't know exactly what they're going to have planned for them in the future. Um, do you have any, like, random thoughts of a match that could happen, possibly maybe including Daniel Bryan, since they hinted at that on SmackDown, uh, that we're not thinking about, Chris? Uh, I think some of the more, like, the bigger surprises might actually be in the Battle Royal this year. Uh, I think you might get someone like War Machine or... uh, Big Show. You know, Big Big Show was another one who basically came out and said that he was he's going to return to wrestling the Giants coming back on Twitter today, which is cool. Uh, but right off the bat, man, I just really can't think of – I guess they could do something if – I don't know who all they have booked for this 205 Live tournament, but it might be possible that you could get Rey Mysterio in the mix there and build to a big match with him. I know he kind of said it was a one-off, but I'm sure that he would love to do something at WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I really don't have any that just like jump out at me right off the bat. I mean, you want to say, I mean, the actual answer is you want to say Daniel Bryan, but you also don't want to say Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon. Um, even though I thought, you know, Shane McMahon's match with, with Shane was pretty good, but, uh, well, they, I don't know that they're going to go there. Yeah. I mean, I agree, and I kind of don't want that to happen either. If anyone, I mean, I would love Daniel Bryan to, all right, they established that they're going to let him do one more match. He's going to work really safe, and then he is leaving at the end of his contract, but they're going to give him that one match, you know, to let him do, to let him have his moment of glory at WrestleMania. He goes after The Miz, he takes his fucking IC title, and he retires with the Intercontinental title, which was very – was another person. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, like, the IC title and the U.S. title both are, I understand, the secondary title, but they're the workers' title to a lot of wrestlers because of who held them growing up when we were all younger and stuff like that. So for him to be able to say, fuck you, Miz, oh, yeah, number time, read your title, and that's it, and then they have to start a tournament for the IC title. They can do a lot of stuff with that. It will be a lot of fun. Um, I really don't think Daniel Bryan's going to be there. Rey Mysterio actually has been saying that he's definitely not going to Impact. He's not going back to Triop AAA or CMLL. He's not doing Lucha Underground. And that he's thinking about, because of the reception of how positive it was at World Rumble, for him to go – Two, uh, what should we call it? Uh, WWE again, but he really, he's really gunning for it. It's not going to happen at WrestleMania, obviously, but he wants to have a match against AJ Styles, which would be incredible. Um, but if you get someone like Ray, you know, if you put him in the tournament, that's fine because I mean, it would be awesome to have him and Cedric Alexander at the end of it or whoever. Um, but I just feel like uh, it's going to be on the pre-show, and you don't put Ray on the pre-show. And uh, even though it'll be an amazing match, I would rather see him go against someone like a Finn Balor would be fucking amazing or, or, or someone uh, uh, to that, you know, extent, I guess. But um, I don't know. We got two minutes um, until uh, I think John is calling in. Um, do you have any last statements uh, about that subject before we, uh, you know, kind of anticipate this whole entire thing? I mean, to me, the one that the, that's the most up in the air is what what are they going to do with the SmackDown Women's Title? Uh, that's something yeah. that I haven't really yeah. thought about, and it doesn't look like they really have had a direction. Uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts on that because I, I can't really slot anyone as a number one contender unless they go, you know, with the is it the right is it the riot uh, the riot squad? No. I can't like see. That, Ruby Riot like, will probably be who she goes against. 
at the next pay-per-view, but she's not going against her at Mania. I love Ruby Riot, but they haven't built her the right way in WWE. They thought they would do another absolution. It was stupid. All those girls are hurting from it, I think, personally. Um, but as far as Charlotte, Charlotte's going to be going against someone. It would be interesting with Becky Lynch, but one of them would have to be heel, so that doesn't really make any sense. I mean, maybe they aren't doing the thing with Stephanie. It's going to be Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey at Mania, which would be a huge draw. Um, I don't know. The only people that seem like they're the most worthy after that are Naomi and and Becky, and they're both the baby faces, and Charlotte's also a baby face. So we don't want to see – like, I love Natalia, but I don't want to see her go against Charlotte at Mania. Um, Carmella might come and do some heel-ass shit and even possibly win the title afterwards – um, at Mania, but I don't think she's going to go against Charlotte. So there's not a lot available. Most likely it's probably going to be Ronda Rousey is what I'm assuming. And honestly, if, if you can't get The Rock and do that whole entire thing, just do that. Triple H doesn't have to perform. He can find another person to perform with if he wants to. I don't think it should be that big of an issue. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Ronda is kind of who I was thinking they would slot in with Charlotte if they don't do like a four-way match for the Raw title, um, which they, I mean, they might just do a three-way match, uh, honestly, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and then like, there's like people like Rusev, uh, Rusev's tag team. Like there's a lot of people that I, I want, feel like I'm leaving off I the want WrestleMania Rusev. card. They'll probably throw Corbin in it, Chris, but I would love Rusev versus Bobby Roode. And Bobby Roode and Rusev to switch with Rusev being the baby face and Bobby Roode being the heel. I, if, if they do that, I'll be very happy with that concept. Who do you think Samoa Joe could go against if he ends up clearing for Mania? He missed last year. Well, if they end up, you know, and do you go Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe again? I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, you could have him. I would say you could have him go against, you know, uh, Seth Rollins, who's not got a ton going on. That might be a really fun match. But they've already done that, too. I I don't think they're going to have enough time to really build something for Samoa Joe, so they may may not, you know, do anything, uh, which is unfortunate. I guess you could have Samoa Joe versus Braun Strowman coming out of the Elimination Chamber, possibly. You could have him, you know, be in the uh, the Battle Royal. Hopefully they, they actually have him have a match match, I, I would hope. I think he's – to me, I thought he was having one hell of a year until he got hit with uh, those few injuries, you know, the two injuries back-to-back, which kind of sucks for him. But I, I really like Samoa Joe a lot. I would love to see him have a match with Finn or uh... – God, I just named someone. John Cena would be cool. I think there's some cool stuff they could do. John Cena would be a badass match. Um, you could do a Triple H versus Samoa Joe if Triple H is actually, you know, I absolutely have to have a match. You could do a similar, you know, breakdown of them being friends like you did with Seth Rollins and book it like that and then have Samoa Joe uh, wrestle Triple H, which would probably, probably be a pretty good match. Um, so there's things they can do with him. It's just if he's going to be ready and, and how long they'll have to build the story around that before Mania. No, I agree. Um, but I have some great news, Chris. All right. I, I think that we have our guest here, so I want to introduce you guys again. Uh, we have a guy named uh, John Hennigan. You might have heard of him. He's also known by John Morrison. He's an American professional wrestler, actor, 
and parkour uh, gymnast who wrestles for Impact Wrestling under the name Johnny Impact. He's best known for his tenure in WWE, where he used the ring names John Morrison and Johnny Nitro. I mean, this guy, my God, when it comes to titles, uh, former ECW world champion, former WWE Intercontinental champion, former world WWE tag team champion. That's just WWE. <laughs> okay. Last year, at one point, he had the AAA Mega Championship, AAA Latin American Championship, AAA World Cruiserweight Championship, and he was also the Lucha Underground Champion all at once. I mean, he's one of the best in-ring performers that you could possibly, you know, think of. We have the amazing John Morrison. John, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. First, hell of an intro. Second, um, I listened to your intro. It uh, made me think of a good thing. Like, uh, what the hell is it that you call someone that does parkour, right? Uh, practitioner of parkour, doer of parkour. I don't know. But um, maybe before we proceed, we should think of a good term for that because uh, I get caught up on that during introductions quite a bit. <laughs> you know what's sad? Honestly, uh, John, I, I, the, the, it has trocer, I think. And I know that yeah. that's a, I, I just couldn't. As they say in Francais, but a lot of people don't really know what that is, um, especially if you, when, you're, when you're saying it. When you read it, I think it makes more sense. Um, but uh, but I'm with you. That's a good one. Especially yeah, I want to say, that. you know, parkour master, but for some reason that didn't come out and my mouth decided to do its own thing. But, uh, no, yeah, I mean, you are – when it comes to athleticism <laughs> and displaying your, your, your skills of athleticism, you are – Incredible. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, just in case I call your full name, you have many last names. Which do you prefer me to call you throughout the course of the interview? Let's go with Johnny Gimmick's name today. Johnny Gimmick's <laughs> names. I like that. I do like that. Um, I'm losing track. I got, uh, I got more names than most people have titles. I mean, not me because I've had a lot of titles, but usually that's true. <laughs> you have had a lot of titles, man. I mean, this last year, I mean, did you hold all three of those AAA titles and also the uh, Lucha Underground title at the same time? Yeah, and all three, uh, all three AAA titles, Lucha Underground title, um, the the five star uh, world title, which um, I just lost last night to uh, to Jack Swagger in uh, Newcastle, England. Um, also simultaneously, I had the QPW um, title that's a uh, fed in the Middle East out there in Qatar. And the uh, PTW title, which is uh, the hottest new up-and-coming Fed out here in Los Angeles. I mean, I've lost. That's lost amazing. But I still got that guitar title. What up, Ali? Well, I mean, I, I think I think the aspect of what I was saying, like no, nothing uh, downing any of the titles that you just you know said, but like AAA is such a huge wrestling organization, and I loved your uh, your heel persona over there, by the way, coming out with Born to the USA and, and doing your whole gimmick. I thought it was hilarious and great to build heat. But, um, you know, I, I want our fans to realize something. I mean, he, like I said, he held three of the biggest AAA titles and the Lucha Underground title. And, you know, think about that as a, in a perspective of, like, if we compare that to one of my other favorite um, non-WWE uh, performance wrestlers, I don't want to call you guys indie wrestlers because you guys work for major platforms, but, you know, you compare that to Kenny Omega. That's like if Kenny Omega had the IWGP World Heavyweight title, their IC title, their U.S. title, and also had the Ring of Honor title all at the same time. Like, that's pretty fucking amazing. Um, 
People don't realize that uh, <laughs> has been on TV now in Mexico for 25 years. It's on in uh, millions of homes in uh, in Mexico and Latin America. It's a it's a it's a huge promotion out there. And um, anytime you can compare me to Kenny Omega, that's uh, that's all good with me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> It's a dream match, man. I, I would love to see the two of you guys uh, tangle it up one day. I think that would be a great uh, form of styles uh, clashing off of each other. I think um, I mean, you, you touched on something, maybe didn't even realize it, but um, calling people independent wrestlers or indie wrestlers these days doesn't seem appropriate. Um, I don't really feel like there's any negative connotation to that word anymore. Like indie wrestlers now, to me, it feels like the place to be in the business of pro wrestling because there's so many options and there's so much cool talent out there, but it, uh, it, it does feel like it's not really indie wrestling. I mean, traveling all over the world and, um, wrestling for, for shows, it's not just a small arena full of a couple hundred people. It's, um, it's a small arena full of a couple hundred people sometimes, but also it's a, a community of wrestling fans online that can follow your career regardless of, of whether you're wrestling for Wrestle Circus in Austin or Five Star Wrestling in, in Newcastle or QPW in Kuwait or Qatar or, uh, or, or AAA or Aerolucha or Crash or Lucha Underground. So the power has really been put into the, the hands of fans of professional wrestling to follow who they want and watch the promotions they want. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I just... I know that you do like a lot of independent stuff outside of it, but like I, I can't consider Impact, AAA, New Japan, Ring of Honor, indie promotions because they're huge promotions, you know. But then also, I guess it's not really. Well, you're an ex WWE wrestler too, but like non WWE wrestlers, I don't know. There's a weird way of going in it either way you say it, you know. Yeah, no, I know it's a, it, it's like I'm not saying I am or I'm not or just a, mostly just pointing out that like um. The, the time of like, uh, oh, he's an indie wrestler. That's indie-rific. Like that, that time has come and gone. I think. I mean, if you're an indie wrestler now, I think that's awesome. And um, and yeah, you're right. I'm I'm wrestling for uh, for three different TV shows, four different TV shows right now. Um, Lucha Underground, Impact, AAA, and uh, and Five Star, which is just on in three sports in the UK. They just started their uh, their weekly live shows. It's been a been amazing. I don't know if you guys are following this on Twitter, but I guess someone shit in Moose's shoes last night. Did you guys hear about this? <laughs> no, I did not. That's no. What happened? <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's a poll going right now. Um, El Ligero is uh, is winning the poll. Um, somebody shit in Moose's shoes last night at the at the five star event. Um, we uh, kind of tried to round up some of the suspects, and um, the the fan poll is is uh, leaning towards El Ligero. Being uh, being guilty of uh, going ass to shoe with Moose's sneakers, but um, oh my God. It's, it's, the verdict is still out. The poll's up for another three days. I mean, I guess if you haven't had a chance to see it or vote, you should do it before the poll's down. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely check it out. But like, who the who the hell is gonna want to shit in Moose's shoes? I would not want to mess with that man. Seems like a very nice guy, but he could probably end my life with one punch. Agreed. He's the nicest guy ever, but I wouldn't want to. I don't know if I actually have ever seen him get mad, but he was kind of upset. He looked he looked pissed, and he was very confused because it seems like an odd thing uh, to do, you know, to a sneaker. If any of you guys yeah. know any information about the shit in the sneaker incident with Moose, please call um, Wrestling Geeks Alliance and yeah, let yeah, us know. 
exactly what let happened. Us, let us know. I'm, I'm, I'm in the dark. I, I, just, uh, I just got off the back, so I haven't had a chance to follow up and find out if, if we knew any new information about the... the <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I appreciate that you took time to talk to us instead of finding out about the poop incident with Moose's shoes. Um, I know. But, uh, that's, a hard like thing, a, that's a hard oh, thing to transition it's from, that, Johnny. It's, it's good that it's getting out there because maybe you guys can help. And um, transition is, is, a good, uh, is a good idea. Let's transition to something else. <laughs> well, let's talk about, let's talk about um, you know, you, just like me and, and Chris, were both uh, wrestling fans. Uh, what, 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 you know, brought you to wrestling when you were younger? Uh, what organization also brought you to there? Um, I'm WWF man. Like, uh, I I was always a fan of uh, athleticism. Like, um, dudes that looked like superheroes and looked varsity than life. So, uh, Hogan, obviously, when I was a kid, and, and um, Macho Man, HBK, <laughs> the Bushwhackers always made me laugh. LOD, um, Shawn Michaels, like the the Rockers, um. Just the idea of there's this world that exists where these larger-than-life people are having it out in front of arenas full of people captured my imagination when I was a kid, and I've I've never really been able to find anything that I think is cooler. I I completely agree with you. I I also I just love people fighting, and then I love superheroes, so the combination just worked out really well. Um, Here's a question because, I mean, the first exposure I had with you was on Tough Enough Season 3. Um, I was wondering, do you still keep up a little bit with Al Snow? Like, do you guys share phone calls, ask for advice, or did you kind of dissipate a little bit along, you know, how amazing and, and driven you have been within your career? Well, is Wayne. Um, I, uh, I learned a lot from Al on the show. Um, I learned a lot from him when he was at OBW again. And, uh, Every time I see him, I I have a really good conversation, and I feel like I'm catching up with an old friend. Have you guys seen Al lately? By the way, um, he's uh, he's ripped his dicks these days, dude. He's uh, he looks like he could step on stage almost. He's um, he's in the shape of his life, and it's a uh, it's really cool to see him reinvent himself and to see him happy. And um, so uh, I mean, I could talk to Al about wrestling. I could talk to Al about uh, super setting, drop setting, functional training. Um, all that kind of stuff. And um, randomly enough, a, a buddy of ours, both coincidentally, um, that has Al attached to some, like, uh, it's like some sort of uh, drama involving a professional wrestler who's almost at the end of his career. And um, I was laughing with Al about this. And then um, the, the same guy contacted me to be, like, the main bad guy that fights Al at the uh, – <laughs> At the uh, at the end of the movie, but um, it turns out that um, Al was my mentor in the movie, and I fight him at the end of the movie within this world of a movie. And I was like, man, that's pretty interesting that that guy decided to go that way because uh, pretty similar to to realize as well. But um, yeah, the random little Al tidbit that uh, that is floating out there in the universe that may or may not happen because, as I've realized in entertainment, anytime I talk about a movie there's like a 1% chance of it happening. Well, there's always that 1%, though, you know. Um, it would be fun. No, but, uh, be fun yeah, exactly. No, definitely. 
But uh, yeah, it just uh, you guys had. It's. I mean, we we witnessed Al Snow as the whole head thing and and that weird character that he played. But then watching him on Tough Enough with all the seasons that he trained for, um, you know, he just seemed like a very level-headed, extremely great in-ring worker that knew he was talking about. It was a different side, um, obviously, than what we watched during the Attitude Era. But um, what were some of uh, your favorite professional wrestlers that inspired your style and also maybe inspired your gimmick as well? Oh, the old name switchy gimmick, eh? Um, you, you know, uh, dude, uh, it, it, it's tough. To, it's tough to pick one. It's always hard for me to like uh, answer the question. What's your favorite movie or who's your favorite wrestler? Because um, I've taken from so many people like uh, Rick Rude, Macho Man, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, Rey Mysterio, um, <laughs> even LOD and the Bushwhackers, Warrior and Hogan. There's there's so many uh, memories that I have as a kid that, like, I'm consciously took ideas from those people and put them into who I am now in the ring. And a lot of that stuff is just subconsciously. I uh, I feel like when you're a yeah. wrestling fan, you end up in the business, you just absorb stuff when you're a kid, and then it's in your subconscious, and then it starts peeking out <laughs> when um, when you're on the other side, and then you're in the ring, and the seats are pointed towards you and it's uh all eyes are on you then so it's a uh, yeah it's a crazy business no i i completely get that and actually uh we've been doing this thing on the show uh i made a list of 105 wrestlers of the uh older generation basically from like the 80s until the early 2000s and comparing them to modern wrestlers and um personally you you have aspects that remind me of randy savage of uh, Edge and also of Chris Jericho. Have you ever heard that before? Um, I feel like I've been compared to, to everybody. And um, Edge and I had a lot of long talks about how uh, our careers have been similar at points, <laughs> not all the time. And uh, and Chris too. And uh, and like I said about Kenny Omega, man, and you comparing me to any of those three guys is a huge compliment. Well, I'm glad you consider it a compliment. Does it ever get annoying get compared to other wrestlers? Not really. I'm, I mean, you know, no. I'm a, when I was growing up, I was, I was a fan of the business, and as, as I've been able to become more and more a part of it, I feel like all the comparisons are, uh, are compliments, and I'm a really lucky to in the business and have been successful in the business for this long and um, all the people that came before me and all the people that are going to come after me uh, yeah compare me to them all day <laughs> especially the uh, the type of guys that you were naming because they're the cream of the crop so to speak the cream of the crop I completely agree oh, with you actually yeah. um, here I before I send to Chris to let him ask a couple of questions um, what is a wrestler in the industry I know we talked about Kenny Omega uh, that you would love to wrestle with that you haven't got a chance to? WWE, New Japan, anywhere? It's a random shot in the dark. Flip uh, Gordon. You guys uh, know this guy is? Flip Gordon? Working for, uh, for Ring Honor. I've seen him on a bunch of shows. And um, he's one of the guys where usually at a, at, a, at a show, I stop and I watch his match, and I'm like, damn, that guy's clean and uh, innovative. And um, I think uh, there's, there's some things that I could 
there's a lot of things I could learn from him, and um, there's some things that I could think I could help him with as well. But uh, the real reason I think it'd be cool to work him is I think we just tear the house down. That would be an absolutely phenomenal match. I, w- I would totally do that. I could see you guys having one hell of a match together. The cool thing about WrestleMan is uh, sooner or later, I feel like that's going to happen, especially with the current state of professional wrestling. I mean, I could, and I have, like, um, when I get asked that question, named different wrestlers, and um, it's true, I'd love to wrestle uh, Naito, Okada, Tanahashi, Kenny Omega, anyone from that New Japan roster. I would, uh, I'd love to set foot in that in that world. I think that's going to be on my to-do list for 2018, 2019. The, uh, How about Will Ospreay? Ospreay I've had uh, two shots at, and um, both times I've wrestled him. Really? Amazing. And I think if I, uh, check out my first match with Will Ospreay. I want to say this was probably 2012 at, uh, at PCW, um, Stephen Flutter's organization, Preston City Wrestling up there in Northern England. And um, it was uh, it was before he his, he really like risen to the height of fame that he's at now, and it was right when I had first left WWE. It was an interesting time for me. Um, but I had a kick-ass match with him back then, and uh, both of us are, are better now. I mean, especially him, man. Like he's a uh, he's still coming into his prime, and I'm fighting to stay in my prime. <laughs> Every day I'm fighting to stay in my prime. That's incredible. I had no idea, and um, I'll definitely have to check those out. I know that you and Ricochet have obviously had some amazing matches over Lucha Underground with him as Prince Puma, but I, I didn't realize uh, you and Wool had gone at it. Now I have something to look forward to even more so than interviewing you. Uh, Chris, did you have some uh, questions? Yeah, I had a, I had a few. Uh, this might throw you off because I'm, I'm actually going to ask you some tag team questions. Uh, sure. When I was uh, first introduced to you, you were, you know, with, with Jerry Mercury and then uh, later on with The Miz. And I just was kind of curious, do you, like, what do you prefer? Did you really like tag team wrestling or do you prefer singles competition? Um, and just kind of like maybe some of the differences between it as far as uh, how it actually, as far as your in-ring work goes. And um, I, like I said, I really. Like uh, Joey's, Joey's in the shape of his life, man. Um, I, uh, I had a tag match with him against Reno Scum a few months back, and um, he's uh, moving better than he was when we were Eminem back in the day, and um, the, I mean, the two tag teams you just mentioned were uh, Eminem, uh, me and Joey, and then uh, when I was tag- tagging with Miz, Miz and Morrison. Both of those were really cool for me and very different. I was so new when I was coming in with Joey as Johnny Nitro, and he was really already a, a 10 to 12 year vet during our Eminem run. And it felt like I was getting to learn from a, a seasoned vet who also happened to be my age. So it didn't feel like it was like a like a father figure. It was more like a like a brother type relationship that I had with him. And um, he still to this day has uh, got one of the smartest minds for the business um, of, of any that I anybody that I've talked to. Um, yeah, if anyone's listening to this, go out of your way to uh, to get Joey on one of your shows and um, get him to do a seminar, man, because that guy's a genius and he's in shape of life now. Miz, on the other hand, um, when I started tagging with him, I was the more experienced wrestler, and we, we flipped roles because, again, I felt like we had a we had a like a, a brother-type relationship, and we were constantly busting each other's balls, but um, with regard to the actual wrestling, when you go back and watch some of our tag matches, 
we we did some really high level tag team wrestling. Psychology was perfect, and um, there's always subtle changes with regard to the rules that WWE is employing at any given time with tag team wrestling. Like, can you save or not save? Like, can you distract the ref? Can you bump the ref? So there's sometimes limits on what you can do at any different era of tag team wrestling within WWE. But the uh, the stuff that we pulled off in the ring, I'm really proud of. My roles were different. And um, I feel like with Miz, because of our antagonistic relationship regarding how our characters interacted, it really flushed out who I was as a person and public personality in and out of the ring with uh, the dirt sheet that we did in our promo segments. And um, I'm really thankful that I got that opportunity to tag with Miz as well. So talking about the dirt sheet, it actually, I actually was kind of curious on who came up with the dirt sheet duo as far as the name goes, as well as uh, do you have any funny Miz road stories or Joey Mercury road stories? Oh, man. Google. Google <laughs> that. I'm sure I've answered that question a million times. Miz <laughs> uh, and I, uh, let's see. I, I at one point pitched a, uh, a Johnny Nitro, like, talk soup style like internet show where I like did like a talk to I gave the dish and all the Hollywood gossip and hot wrestling superstars were on Smackdown I actually even recorded some some pilot episodes and sent them to creatives and they loved them but they never felt like doing anything with them Miz pitched a very similar thing and did a did a, almost a very similar thing with Miz TV where he wanted to do the same type of thing where he was doing a uh, commentary on what was happening within the world of wrestling and within the world of reality television and uh, <laughs> at the time B-level celebrity which uh, he was then and maybe not be anymore maybe he jumped up a letter and uh, we were riding together and tagging together and started talking about those ideas and realized I mean, we both kind of had the same idea and we just started flushing out a simple format for a show that involved an introduction a skit or two skits, depending on time and a close, and uh, it turned into something that ran for, it ended up with about 77 episodes of the Dirt Sheet, and um, we wrote those as we were driving from town to town, and used basically just the same type of humor that <laughs> that you do when you're in the car and it's late, and uh, you're kind of silly because you're either tired or too caffeinated, and uh started just getting into the room with uh, the Brooklyn Barola and um, laying those things down in the pre-tapes room and then sending them off to Stanford to get edited every week. And um, I feel like you never realize how much better you get at something the more you do it. But, like, you, uh, you want to get big arms? Go to the gym and do curls every week. You want to get better at talking? You want to get better at doing shows? Force yourself to do an internet show every week. And um, I've definitely got a lot better over that time period. Missed it too. And um it was it was something that really leveled us up as a team. And um yeah man, as a I'd give that advice to any any new talent. There's a lot of people that are doing that now, especially because uh today's the day of the social media. You know what I'm talking about? All the kids that are posting stuff on the YouTube and the Instagram these days. For sure. <laughs> um before I pass it back to Dane, I had one more question. Uh, it seems like on last night at Impact, you became the number one contender, so you got a match against Austin Aries. I was curious if you had ever worked with him before. Because, I mean, I've kind of I've kept up with your career 
pretty heavily, but I don't ever remember seeing an Aries match with you. And I'm just kind of curious if you guys had ever worked together before. And uh, I expect that to be one hell of a match. This is a first time ever um, Johnny Impact versus Austin Aries. I mean, first time ever Johnny gimmick name of any name, any of the names that I've had. And um, Austin Aries is someone that I've obviously been familiar with as uh, someone involved in the business professional wrestling a guy that's hard to miss. Um, he's had success all over the world and at every promotion that he's ever been with. And um, any anyone you talk to lets you know that uh, he's a vegan and uh, he's a wrestler. <laughs> and, uh, both. Um, the, uh, the match that we're going to have um, next week on Impact Thursday, Pop TV, is, uh, is something that you can't miss. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to to watch it and have it have it come on and um I was a fan of his work and um respected him a lot before the match but um now he's completely won me over he's the real deal and um find out uh, what I'm talking about on Thursday when you watch for sure man yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely thinking it yeah, I'm sure that a double beating a banana right beforehand, but you guys will have one hell of a banger, uh, I, I think. Um, here's a, here's a question for you. Uh, what what, what do you say? I'm sorry. Do you think it's a little bit? Uh, let me ask you a question first. Do you think it's a little bit selfish of him to go to the ring with one banana? Like he doesn't bring any to share. I don't know. It's like a little indicative <laughs> of like, hey, like you know. Like, well, of course he doesn't want you to have it. He doesn't. He wants your potassium depleted. And that's the reason why he does it, for the extra edge. If he gives you a banana, then you have an edge from it. And that's what I was thinking, too. It just, like, it just seems like kind of like a, like a selfish, like a cheap route to go, you know? He's counting on me cramping up because I'm dehydrated. But I don't know. I mean, personally. Okay, just, just wanted your thoughts. Okay. Continue. No, I mean, what you should do is you should come down there to throw off his game and eat a piece of steak in front of him. I think that would actually, like, you I, know, kind of counter that concept. I thought about that. The only problem with eating a steak right before a match is uh, <laughs> it's really hard to wash down a steak and eat it quickly, you know, and, like, you don't really want to waste a yeah. steak because it would be a shame to just kind of, like, pound a, pound a nice ribeye before the match because you wouldn't get to enjoy it. Um, and then you might also just kind of have an upset stomach when you're beating the crap mm-hmm. out of whoever you're beating the crap out of. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely don't want to deal with that. I think that was a bad idea. Um, I have, I have a little bit, I'm going to admit. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 I, I keep interrupting. Well, you, you go. Well, no, I, it, all right, this is a little bit controversial. If you don't want to answer it, that's completely fine. But I know that you had a spot at Triple Mania this year. And Sexy Star was one of my favorite wrestlers, male or female, uh, coming up. Um, all the stuff that happened between her and Rosemary, do you have any idea from your stance of what exactly happened and what was her perspective at all? I don't know if you have a relationship with her or anything like that. I'm just assuming. I'm on Team Rosemary on that one. Um, I, Me I too. I feel like Sexy Star did not necessarily go out in that match thinking she was going to hurt someone. I think uh, if you watch the match, it's pretty clear to me that she was flustered she had an issue with some of the other girls in the match, not Rosemary, the first time they'd ever met and or worked, and um, took out some of her frustrations, whether she intended to or not. 
um, while she had Rosemary in a cross arm breaker, which is a really dangerous hold. And um, she let her temper, sexy let her temper get to her in the heat of a moment at the time where you absolutely cannot have that happen when someone is trusting you with their body. Yeah, that's, it, it was uh, it was crazy to hear about, crazy to watch, and I hate that you guys got probably a lot of publicity and views just because of that whole entire thing uh, for Triple Mania because you guys had a lot of great matches on the card. Um, and not only that, but, I mean, if it was, like, maybe your fiancé, Taya Valkyrie, I mean, that would be even way worse. Like, I don't understand what her perspective was to do that. I'm, like, it doesn't matter who it was. Like, the... the the, the, the thing is, it was a mistake. Like, uh, it uh, to me shows that she kind of has a short fuse, and Sexy Star is, is not a very seasoned performer. She let extenuating circumstances get to her, and uh, ultimately, like, I don't know, ultimately, like, took it out of the wrong person, did something that she, she should not have done, and um, then, to make matters worse, didn't really apologize and started blaming yeah. other people and pointing fingers in other directions, which really made me like think even more like, okay, like she needs to be done in the business or like, this is like a, this is the kind of thing that seems like it should galvanize the wrestling community, which it did. And, um, have people stand up and say like, Hey, that's bullshit. Like that's not what this business is about. And, um, you should take responsibility for it. Own up to what you did, which she didn't and never has. And, um, more power to Rosemary for being the bigger person and um, not letting something like that stand in the way of what I think is a an amazing career that Rosemary's having and um, not scaring Absolutely. her away. Or even, even giving a second thought to an incident that happened at Triple Mania because she's got so many good things happening for her with Impact and um, her personal life and her career are completely outside of Mexico. So, um, I mean, it in my opinion, like, it's, it's something that people are talking about and they're going to ask Rosemary about, and uh, it's a shitty thing that happened to her, but um, she's dealt with it like a pro, and um, I don't think she's even really thinking about it anymore. And um, she's got a bright future ahead of her, and uh, it's too bad that Sexy can't just wrap her head around that she was the one that made a mistake and owned up to it. That's, that's how I feel about it. It must be pride, unfortunately. And I heard uh, Rosemary on Killing the Town explaining... I just kind of wanted to grasp, now that I got a chance to, talk to someone that was actually there and kind of, I mean, partially witnessed it. Uh, but getting more into wrestling, um, very, very easy question. You do so well at both. Uh, what do you prefer when it comes to in-ring psychology and just performing as a heel or a baby face? Grass is always bleeding, bro. Um <laughs> It's kind of fun, like, uh, especially this day and age where a lot of people keep saying there's no heels, there's no faces anymore, everyone's just themselves. And um, that bothers me sometimes because I, I kind of disagree with that. I I like the idea of manipulating the crowd as opposed to just throwing shit out there and going with the flow and allowing the crowd to manipulate you. So... The cool thing I've got going right now is I'll be I'll be face in Newcastle and then heel um, this week in Texas. 
<laughs> is that way, is that way to balance like the fact that you do them back to back as opposed to having a heel run the baby face run? Um, it was for a little bit until I I realized like it really helps you refine what you're doing in the ring, why you're doing what you're doing, what your intent is with everything you do, and um, the key to me, like um, for me, is uh, I started instead of worrying so much about whether or not what I was doing was working or correct, I started really just trying to enjoy every minute of time that I'm in the ring. And uh, yeah. I'm a heel. I'm going to enjoy beating the crap out of somebody. I'm going to enjoy cheating. I'm going to enjoy kicking someone in the nuts. And uh, if I'm a face, I'm going to enjoy doing a lot of the parkour influence moves and um, things that I've spent the last 15 years training my body to be able to do like a lot of these skills that um, some, some people like like Ricochet or Will Ospreay uh, <laughs> get, uh, figured out how to do in a couple of months or a couple of years that have taken me 10 or 15 years. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to uh, do a modified cork dive off the top or, or, or a beat twist or a springboard moonsault or any of that stuff. So um, showing off skills that I've worked hard to achieve is, uh, is something that I enjoy doing. And um, as a face, I feel like that's where those moments fit in. And as a heel, the uh, psychology moments fit in. And um, for me right now, both are really fun. I really like that you specified how you handle your move set uh, because it's, it seems like some of that has kind of gone by the wayside. I, I watched a lot of, you know, old school Smoky Mountain and NWA and a lot of Georgia, Georgia championship wrestling and really, you know, heels didn't come off the top rope or do flashy moves at all. So I, I, I've always appreciated that about you. You seem like you're able to dial it back depending on what you're trying to portray. So it was really interesting hearing that. Cool, and it's a, it, it also, it varies because um, depends who you're wrestling and where you're wrestling and the style. Like the, the, the difference in psychology between maybe Smoky Mountain wrestling and um, when you're in St. Louis, go to see or Mexico City or, or some some place in Mexico that's uh, expecting lucha. The uh, the reasons that people come, I think, are subtly different. And the, societal norms and cultural values are, are different. The traditions of, of lucha and the traditions of professional wrestling in, in Tennessee is different than the traditions of uh, lucha in Monterey. And I mean, I'm trying to figure it out and get better every time I wrestle in front of a crowd. But it's a, it's an evolving thing. I don't think everyone, anyone ever has it really 100% figured out. Sometimes you just get really good at it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Just... Oh, I think we may have lost Dane there. Suck it, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll well, continue uh, on while he while he's off. I did have a quick question for you. I, I uh, recently got a chance to watch Boone, which I found highly entertaining. I, I really love just you know, wacky, crazy action films. Um, basically, I just had, uh, do you have a favorite action film and, and kind of 
what was that like filming? Did you really enjoy it or was it, you know, like really stressful process in comparison to like what your normal day would be um, in, in the wrestling world versus the uh, Hollywood world, I guess. All of the above. Um, <laughs> have you, I mean, I'm assuming that you've heard, uh, you've heard some podcasts where I've, I've talked about Boone or I've, I've, I've been yes, talking correct. about Boone, not stuff since I made it on, on, on Stone Cold's podcast, MVP's, Jericho's, Cabana's, um, and a, a bunch of, a bunch of others as well, Bishops. So, yeah, so uh, I, it was really refreshing to do Boone because it was uh, the kind of movie that I loved when I was a kid, and that's what I was trying to go for. Like you described it, like wacky, crazy action, like a one-liners and a really fun movie, the kind of movie that when I was a kid I would watch over and over again. As a, And also it's, it's the best thing that I've done outside of wrestling, I believe. And it, it feels... It feels like it's really something because not only did I uh, just act in it, I, as you, you probably know already, I, I wrote, produced, and did a lot of the post supervision and some of the action design and made sure that the the action fits me, like my strengths, specifically parkour, pro wrestling, and MMA based stunt choreo. And uh, a lot of times I get into movies and roles where I'm fighting with axes and swords, which I love, but it's not something that I spent the last 15 years doing. Um, I'm better at pro wrestling than I am at, a, at anything else. Certainly than I am at fencing. I'll put it that way. But um, with regard to how demanding it was, there's uh, I don't think I've done anything that's ever been as, as demanding as Boone because um, on the actual days that we're shooting, I mean, some of those parkour chases on a Bellevue Day Ranch outside, like if we have like a 12-hour a day and it's an expensive ranch and um, – we're shooting acting scenes in the bar and outside. That means, like, we might only have an hour to get this parkour chase, which means I'm going to run straight from an acting scene to just, like, a, almost like a dead sprint and go do side vaults and, and um, Kong 360 vaults over the thing over and over again and run up the wheel well and do side flips and try to hit that triple Kong over the car for, like, a straight hour until we're done. And then as soon as we're done, it's right back into the next acting scene. And um, there's a couple of days like that where at the end of the day, I was just destroyed <laughs> from all the uh, the mental energy that it took to memorize and do the acting bits and then um, the physicality of the action and the parkour. Yeah, it, it seems like it, w- it would have been completely brutal. As someone that works out occasionally, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that I would have been able to keep up with that pace, man. That's ridiculous uh and uh, i guess the follow-up to that is uh are there any have you thought about doing a sequel at all and do you have like a favorite action film um i think about doing a sequel every day i got the story in my head just uh waiting to see if i can um and, I, and i've been pitching it around as a, as a sequel to boone and um and also as a spin-off tv series and uh nothing would make me happier than uh, doing one of those two things favorite action film Man, um, I've gotten asked this question quite a bit, and sometimes my answer changes. Right now, I'm going to say Drunken Master 2, just because that's, I love Jackie Chan. And that's I a great like choice. That's a film captured like him at his height. His, his comedy, his action, his choreo, the style of movie that he was capable of. I mean, 
I don't think there's anybody else in the world that could have made Drunken Masters too, except for Jackie Chan. And um, it, it, I've, it's another one of the movies that I've watched maybe a hundred times. Like when I had it on VHS, I was rewinding the the fight in the alley back over and over again. And even now, like, <laughs> I can watch some of the end fights and think about how I can integrate some of that stuff into into wrestling. <laughs> Did you uh, ever get a chance to check out Thunderbolt with Jackie Chan? Um, yeah, I've seen. I mean, I, and the, he's uh, he's made movies that I think you could argue are like better movies technically than uh, than, than Drunken Master or maybe better than Thunderbolt. But um, my two favorite Jackie Chan movies are uh, Drunken Master Two and Rumble in the Bronx because of how old I was when I saw them and how many times I've watched them. For sure, They're, those are both. I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan as well, so I, both those movies I hold close to my heart, as well as Thunderbolt. <laughs> hey, speaking about that though, um, I had a, I had a question, kind of involving aspects of that. Uh, tell me about your relationship with Bat and the Sun, and how did you get into all that? And um, you know, were you a comp band beforehand? And is there anything coming out with you guys? You know, in the future, I know that you did Winter Soldier. And I think that you were Casey Jones in the past. Uh, are you guys doing anything? Are you doing anything with Valiant at all with them? So I uh, I was sitting back at the, the gym, and I met Kevin Porter, who does a lot of work with Bat in the Sun and plays Batman. For that. Batman. And he, uh, he introduced me to Aaron and Sean, and the first thing we did was they had an idea to do uh, the Casey Jones versus Kick-Ass Super Power Beatdown. Um, we hit it off, had a really fun time doing that with, uh, with Sean Piccinino and then, uh, did the Winter Soldier versus Nightwing. And, um, and you guys have probably seen the stuff awesome. in these posted already about the, uh, Ninjak versus the Valiant universe. And that's the first, uh, project in which Bat the Sun is, uh, working with the company that owns the IP. So this is a project by Valiant Comics and, uh, in the world where they have all all their own superheroes, Eternal Warrior, Ninjak, Roku, Bloodshot, Archer, and Armstrong, and um and all that and then some. We, meaning uh me, Kevin Porter, Jason, David, Frank, um, Derek Thaler, plays Exo Man of War, um, Sierra. And everyone, and, and, um, anyway, everyone, everyone plays all these characters, and it's a, it's going to be a really cool uh, digital series that I'm not 100% sure on when it's coming out. I believe, though, it is coming out very soon, coming out this spring, and I believe it's going to be coming out on comicbook.com first, and then after that, probably it's going to wind up on Netflix or Amazon or some sort of uh, one of the one of the major streaming services. I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably know better than I do, but it's Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. What character do you play? Uh, that's correct, and I play the Eternal Warrior, which um, <laughs> they uh, they first uh, approached me with because I look eerily similar to the way that the character is drawn in the comics. Like, he's just like a, almost like a, a dude from uh, Lord of the Rings with the brown hair, Aryan. Aragon. Um, he looks yes. like a, a warrior. He fights with a sword and an axe. And, um, he's got a, a crazy scar on his face. But um, his facial features and 
and beard look uh, similar to, to how I look. And um, I did a lot of research on the guy. He's immortal. He uh, he exists forever, but he is uh, capable of dying. And if he dies, he winds up in hell and has to fight his way out through hell. So it's a uh, an interesting character to play and bring to life. And um, all the characters in the Valiant Universe are characters that have awesome. been written and have comics for the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So the amount of history and stories that exist about the Eternal Warrior or Bloodshot or Archer and Armstrong uh, or Exo Manowar is, is ridiculous. So it was a pretty tall order to do a lot of the backstory and, uh, and character work when I was prepping for this. Could the Eternal Warrior beat the Ultimate Warrior? Ooh, a very good question. But if those two fought, I think the true winner would be the wrestling fans in ascended. Nice. <laughs> All right. Two two kind of quick questions uh, before we kind of like start wrapping this up. Uh, who's your favorite wrestler that you've worked with today? Well, not today, oh, but like man. within. Uh, favorite wrestler, the um, man, Johnny Nitro, John Morrison, Johnny Impact, Johnny Mundo. All those guys are my favorites. <laughs> All right, and last one, um, like, like Rey Mysterio Jr. and Shane Helms, would you ever consider doing a one-off Royal Rumble appearance, and would you go by Johnny Rumble? <laughs> yes and yes. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, uh, I got a feeling if I, if I go back to the Fed, I'll uh, end up going back as John Morrison. And uh, Rumble has always been one of my favorite shows, but I'm really happy with where I'm at now. We're just about to start Absolutely. taping Lucha Underground 4. I'm really excited about that. February 24th is our first taping date. And uh, like you said, um, this Thursday on top, it's going to be Johnny Impact versus Austin Aries for the Impact World Championship. So there's a, there's a lot of really cool stuff that I'm, I'm doing right now. And um, WWE is a great company, but uh, the TV shows that I'm working for right now are, are also great companies. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, people listen to this Tune in and check out Impact on Thursday. Check out Lucha Underground when we're back on the LA Network Wednesday night coming this summer. If you haven't seen it, check out the episode of the Super Slow Show that just came out yesterday starring me and Luchasaurus doing Lucha in super, super slow motion shot in 4K with those phantom cameras. It looks crazy. And um, most of all, haven't seen Boo and the Bounty Hunter, Go out of your way to watch Boo the Bounty Hunter. It's on Amazon, iTunes, Voodoo, Vimeo, YouTube, all that, and then some DVDs at Walmart and Dollar General. Check it out. If you like it, please review it on Amazon and uh, IMDB and iTunes, and uh, follow me on all the social gimmicks. I mean, really, and I definitely didn't want to take away from – I mean, I would hope our our listeners are are, – you know, smart fans and they, they watch everything like me and Chris do. We consume wrestling just like anyone back. We were tape traper or tape trippers, tape traders back when we were younger and stuff like that. So everyone listening, definitely check out that stuff. I mean, John Morrison is an incredible in ring performer. He's like in my top five favorite guys to watch now. Um, so yeah, everything that he said, definitely check out Chris. Did you have one last thing that you kind of wanted to like ask him? before uh, we can let Johnny get out of here? Uh, 
I don't want to hold him up too long, uh, but there were some vignettes you did in WWE prior to you leaving where you were really just doing straight parkour uh, in the background. What, was that like, did you, were they, did, I kind of just wanted to know how you came around to incorporating that towards those vignettes because I thought they were really well done and they definitely stood out in comparison to how they do, they usually do those vignettes before commercials. Uh, there was like two or three times that you did it. Uh, and I, it um, always I was really awesome. With, with a couple of camera guys on that and, um, everyone like, uh, Vince included was really excited about doing the parkour vignettes. They were, uh, they were tricky because it took a long time to coordinate. And, um, it's not just the parkour line and run that you have to coordinate. It's the, it's the camera movements because of the way WWE shoots their stuff. So you need to have, a basically um Luis on a on a steady cam and um explain exactly what your line is gonna look like so we can be there to catch everything. But um but thanks man and uh it's been it's been cool to see the evolution of uh of wrestling and how parkour has been incorporated into what I've been doing with uh with Lucha Underground and Impact since and um I'm planning on uh continuing to push the envelope with regard to, to that and um what I'm doing in the ring and the character type stuff that I'm doing in and out of the ring. But, um, man, thanks for having me, guys. I'd love to come back anytime. Dude, we'd love to have you back. And, uh, yeah, I can't talk enough about it, especially Lucha Underground, man, because I, I got my friend into that show, uh, just explained to him. He wasn't even that big of a wrestling fan. He was back in the day, but kind of stopped. And I got him to the show, and I was like, look, this show is amazingly done. It's like Mortal Kombat, that mythology, but more Hispanic-based mythology in Japanese with Lucha Libre instead of, you know, Ninja style stuff and it's incredible i love watching it man you're one of my favorite wrestlers i really appreciate you coming on if you want to come on in the future just you know shoot the shit talk about wrestling news with us do a follow-up interview we'd love to have you back do you mind before you leave though doing a drop for us sure um and basically just say like hey i'm johnny whatever last name you want to pick from whatever and you're listening to wrestling geeks alliance What's up? It's the mayor of Slam Town, Johnny Mundo, aka Johnny Mcat. Hold on, let me go again. Yeah, that's fine. Got all the way. Finally got tongue tied. Okay, ready? Yep. Hola, it's the mayor of Slam Town, Johnny Mundo, aka Johnny Impact, FKA John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you so much, John, for being a part of our show. This is actually our year anniversary show, and we sure shared it with an amazing wrestler. Definitely come back and hang out with us again. Thanks for having me, man. Post, uh, tag me on the social gimmicks when you guys uh, post this thing or get it out there. Absolutely. Will do. All right. Take care. Thanks. You too. Thanks, buddy. Oh man, Chris, that was awesome. That was that was awesome. We can actually have a chant from people saying that is awesome. Uh how did you feel about the interview, man? That was a lot of fun. John Morrison is an incredible incredibly nice guy, really, really funny, seemed super down to earth, and it was just great hearing him kind of give you insight into what he does in the ring, a lot of the psychology 
Um, and then also just talking about like action movies and comics and stuff. It was it was great. Uh, would love love for him to come on again. There was just he's has such a wealth of knowledge. He has done so much in the business. There's a million questions I wanted to ask him, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's one of those things, man, with time. But it was a wonderful interview, and it feels good being the one year anniversary of this show for sure. It's amazing, man. We've had one hell of a year. Uh, we're going to continue to have more hell of a years, and we got to end it with fucking Johnny Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Impact Mundo. We even got a badass drop from him. Like, he messed up at the beginning, but he's so suave and cool. Oh, man, that was that was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, I know I know Juwan and Kanan are listening. Definitely get him this show. Uh, link to it, make it as easy as possible for him um, so we can have him enjoy the wonderful interview we have with him and then have him back. I'd love to have that guy come on and just talk to us about wrestling and more of like a, a geek aspect than us being a geek, uh, you know, interviewing him. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah, I think it would be uh, really fun to do something like uh, maybe like break down a pay-per-view or, you know, uh, break down one of the impact uh, pay-per-views or something recently he was on. Cause it'd be interesting to hear his, uh, his point of view actually being there, um, whether it's some episodes of Lucha underground or, you know, something with, a Oh, you are on star, a ball, I man. I, that's brilliant. If we had him on to talk about his match with Prince Puma and like, we all maybe try to set it up where all could watch it and kind of analyze it, it would take a little bit of work, but I mean, this, and I love how humble he was and, like, trying to say, like, you know, it's hard for him to keep up with, with Ricochet and Will Ospreay. Based on, I mean, he's not that old, but based on his age compared to them, I get it. But he is such an incredible and bring performer. So, uh, man, it's just, uh, it's crazy. I definitely, definitely would, would love for every one of you listeners, if you haven't checked out Lucha Underground, definitely check it out. If you guys haven't watched Impact recently, check it out. Him and Austin Aries are tearing it up on there. Um, I mean, the guy is a damn good wrestler, and uh, you know, we would love to have uh, we'd love to to expand the horizon of our fans and just get outside. And I mean, me, me and Chris have always said about this whole year since the first episode. And I watched, I looked at my intro for the first episode on Facebook, and literally I was going over, you know, the AAA roster, the Ring of Honor roster, New Japan roster. Expand your horizons, guys. There's so much good wrestling out there. If you don't like the wrestling WWE is doing, check out some other shit. Or quit being a prick and stop judging it in such a way. And just to try to enjoy everything. There's so much so much good stuff out there. But uh, before I give it to Chris to let you know him say his goodbyes to you wonderful audience members out there listening to us, I want to thank um, Geek Fives Nation for having us have this amazing wrestling show. Um, listen to us. Uh, Sunday we have an awesome show. Going back in the movies, we got a top 10 show that's on Saturdays. We have our TV show that's on Fridays. We have full court press that my brother's actually going to be, uh, you know, starring in, and uh, which is on uh, Wednesdays about basketball. We've got a lot of stuff for you guys, and we're going to have a lot of great guests, and we're going to continue to have a lot of great guests. Chris, give a quick goodbye to the lovely audience members out there. Big thanks to uh, Johnny Impact, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Gimmick Name. Johnny Mundo for coming on to the show. It was an awesome interview. Thank you guys for listening. Happy one-year anniversary. Hopefully we'll still be here kicking ass this time next year. And I love you guys all. Have a great weekend and be safe out there.
Love you guys. Peace out. Have a good one.